We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation Sports Talk, it is mailbag night. We're up, we're rolling. Gordy and not, not getting off to a good Man, start. what did I, I mean, do to deserve that? I know, like bringing, bringing heat right down on you right away. Jesse is already uh, not, not feeling it today because he's grousing about the Cubs before we were coming on, getting started here, so... Here we go. They're just they're they're you know he's he's taking little little jabs at you. You know maybe he'll go for the knockout punch here pretty soon. I don't know. I've just been getting a lot of uh, pushback recently. You know, first <laughs> first it was the comment section on the YouTube the YouTube channel. commenters, and now it's now it's Irish Gordy and not. I thought so. Irish Gordy not and I were, you know, on better terms than this, but I know. I guess I you know I should just. I'll keep my answer short and sweet tonight. We we you know we do have the same last name, IGK. You know, I like let's, let's let's have a little fun here. Let's 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 keep it let's keep it bouncy. What do you say? It is Notre Dame in Central Michigan coming up this week. I don't know about you, Jess, but Jim McElwain, head coach at Central Michigan. Did you know that Jim McElwain is the head coach at Central Michigan? Did not know that. I didn't, and you used to live in Michigan, not that far from uh, from Central Michigan. But um, I didn't realize that until watching their game against Michigan State in the season opener a couple of weeks ago. It's like, hey, Jim McElwain, where's he been? Turns <laughs> out he's been at Central Michigan for the last. This is year five for Jim McElwain at Central Michigan. He did not have a bad record. At Florida, when they showed him the door, he was 22 and 12 in two plus seasons. He had a 10 win season. And then uh, mid year three, bye bye. And it's not like things have stabilized really since uh, since Jim McElwain has been gone. I'm not saying like, hey, Florida hired Jim McElwain back, but at the same time, a little bit surprising, I think. It's. Um... It's, it's kind of funny. I, I actually saw a tweet the other day, and I guess I just wasn't able to connect the dots, but 
that record that you just mentioned, ever since they let go of him, Florida hasn't had a, a, a matching or better record in that same amount of time span. So it's like they showed him the door, and then as a program, they got worse. And so I thought that was pretty interesting myself. Irish Gordian knot. Turns out he's an Eagles fan. He's been ah, hiding this whole time in plain sight, and he's not very happy with the Cowboys perspectives and you know at least michael hahn can have a little bit of fun with it and i think joe and some of the other giants <laughs> fans that we have it's like take it take it. it 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 had to be an eagles fan because like philly fans don't take anything in stride <laughs> i don't think so well, the thing about the eagles is that they in my eyes uh taking a step back this season i know it was only game one but uh i thought i thought mac jones did some really good things um, against that defense, which is the strong point of their team. I still thought Jalen Carter had a great game up the middle. I think he had the most pressures on, on quarterbacks in week one. So that's good to see your rookie, you know, ultimately taken over to start. Um, but I, I mean, to be honest with you, I've just never been a fan of the offense that Jalen Hurts runs. I don't think it's overly complex. I think it's pretty simple in nature. Um, don't get me wrong, Hurts executes, but I think uh, at least half the quarterbacks in the NFL could could run that offense just as efficiently. Yeah. Florida Irish says Jim McElwain apparently couldn't recruit to save his life. I know that the recruiting rankings were not good when McElwain was there. And I think that that is ultimately it. But again, like, look at like, especially if you're going to compare it to Urban Meyer, whoever it was, it was going to go down. And it's like, it's a talent rich school and it, it's nowhere near where things were when Urban Meyer was around. So I don't know. As we know, though, recruiting is a very big part of this. Like, I I had always for a long time been in the boat of, hey, if you've got a coach and a coaching staff that can coach, develop your guys, you know, hey, how important are recruiting rankings? But I have definitely come around on that. And where I, where I really started to swing, because I remember after Muffin McGraw and the Irish women won the second national championship, what, five years ago now at this point, had her on the show, and we were talking about some of these other programs, like the South Carolinas of the world, Mississippi State, different places that have really grown in terms of women's basketball in the last few years. You've seen some different schools kind of rise to the national scene. And I said, you know, is it just because they're investing more in women's basketball? Is it the coaching? What is it? And she said it's recruiting. It's it's bottom line about getting the top players available. And obviously it's it's different when it when you compare basketball to football because you need fewer of the big time recruits to succeed on a basketball floor because of the sheer numbers of you know, football compared to basketball. But at the same time, when you think about it, that's that's what it comes down to. UConn has been it's not just because Gino Ariema is some genius. He's killed it on the recruiting trail forever. Pat Summit used to kill it on the recruiting trail now there at, at Tennessee when she was winning her championships. And that's what it comes down to. You start with the best talent possible, you're going to have more success. You know, so I've I've definitely swung on the it's not just player player development being a good X and O coach. Part of part of the evaluation of a coach in college is also how you recruit. I think it's a big part of it, much bigger part than I gave it credit for for a long time. What do you think? Yeah, I do think that ultimately 
recruiting. So like, I think that 70% of coaching is, or sorry, if you had to break up the pie of coaching, I'd say that 60% is the actual coaching of it. And then I would say 40% of it is the recruiting. And I think, you know, yeah, Nick Saban gets a ton of credit at Alabama, but you know, once you establish yourself as a really good coach um, and you start winning games the way Alabama did, then you start recruiting better. And, it, and that's what really propelled Alabama into this dynasty mode, quote unquote, is they just kept cycling through the best recruits in the country, you know, in and out every year. And then you combine that with how good of a coach Nick Saban is. And there it's, it's no secret, you know, why they're so good every year. And I think Gino, Gino Ariema has followed that same kind of pattern that Nick Saban did. I actually think Gino actually did it before Saban, right? Cause he's been at UConn for much longer and yeah. has had, you know, longer success. And so again, it's like you establish yourself as a really good coach. You make it an attractive place to come. And then you just start, you know, again, cycle after cycle of recruits. That's when it becomes, you know, it, it's, it just gets easier for everyone. I, I think when, when you're recruiting at a high level, it makes the coaching a lot easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. 
Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Well, I tell you what, we've got a lot of good questions lined up. It is mailbag night, so keep bringing yeah, drop your questions. the questions in. I know I'm not Vince D'Addario, but I'll try my best today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Unlike the Cubs, who have not been trying their best the last two days. DT, we will start with him. Buy or sell? D- J.D. Bertrand being out this week is a big deal. Um, I would say this would be a large deal if it was next week. Um, I, I don't see it as a big deal this week, to be honest with you. Um, I think you actually want to be safe and make sure that he's, you know, ultimately prepared for the Ohio state game. I know we talked about, you don't want to overlook opponents, um, but they have plenty of depth at linebacker. And I think it's a case of you would see Kaiser bump over. And then we would talk about who would be playing the will, um, at that point. But I, I, I just don't see, um, I just don't see Bertrand risking it this week because a concussion is such a domino effect. Like it, you can yep. immensely make your symptoms a lot worse if you try to come back a lot sooner. No reason to rush back this week. And I'm not saying you're overlooking Central Michigan, but there's an obvious difference between Central Michigan and Ohio State. And as you just said, we're talking about a head injury. So there's not even any guarantee that you know continuing to rest for another week is going to get him back next week because you just don't know with head injuries how long it's going to take how long you need to stay in in protocol just like simple jostling sometimes you know simple jogging can 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 affect the brain so you just don't know so you're better better to stay on the safe side i think that they will be okay they have a good linebacking crew and we all know that they've got some good young guys we would expect to see them enter anyway and leopard ass with jt banged up do you think we'll see drake bowen saturday my feeling on this is you would we will see more of drake bowen but i would not think that drake bowen will be in the starting lineup i think that kaiser will slide over most likely and start at the mike linebacker spot with maris leah Fowl beside him at the will and then you know sorry that's what i meant i think i said the will earlier and then okay. i think sneed would hop over to rover yeah and you see more of sneed at rover if they use the rover it still depends on how much nickel you're going to see and that kind of stuff and and uh, we will talk in the countdown show of course this week jesse's going to have some whiteboard for us on that um but then i think that we still see drake bowen in the game as well he he would obviously spell Jack Kaiser, for example, assuming Kaiser is a starter. That's the way I think that they would go with the two veterans starting and then Drake Bowen worked in there in reserve. He's shaking. Jesse's shaking his head, so he agrees with that. Yeah, I agree with all that. Sorry. Well. <laughs> I didn't know if you needed any more feedback from yeah. me. Tim says, sounded like Al Golden loves Bowen. I don't doubt that he loves Bowen, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to start. <laughs> There's still a, I mean, I think he loves a lot of guys. I think he, you know, he likes a lot. He likes most of the talent that he's got on this team, but um, well, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get it uh, an answer or a glimpse of that tomorrow when we talk to Marcus Freeman at noon. Nick, is it just me or does it feel like we are just playing around to see what works and what doesn't, and that we're going to start putting it on teams once we get to Ohio state? Um, I think there's a little bit of that. I think that when we talked about Notre Dame 
playing a team like Tennessee State a couple weeks ago, they run a similar defense that Ohio State will run. And obviously, you know, Ohio State's athletes will be uh, a step up. They'll be a little bit faster. They'll be able to read a little bit better. You know, their corners corners are going to be um, a little bit better in coverage and, and et cetera down the line. Um, and I just think it, it would be a disadvantage knowing that kind of information um, and not really kind of coming up with, you know, plays that you that you know are going to work. Like I think there is – I think there's more so of a filtering of we really like these plays and we're eh on these plays. So I think it's more or less kind of coming up with plays you really like and know that are going to work um, and then kind of holding on to them. And I've said this before, you know, there's certain you want to give certain looks on film, certain base formations on film. And then uh, for an opponent like Ohio State, you just want to small throw a small wrinkle in there, right? Like maybe instead of the running back, you know, um, on a play action, he steps up and blocks. What if he leaks out into the flat? Just, you know, just small stuff like that is I think what you'll see. I think you'll see Notre Dame, again, coming up with plays they feel really comfortable with and then finding ways to manipulate or tweak them a little bit for for an opponent like Ohio State. And remember, they went with that readjusted line, whatever you want to call it, you know, the realignment with the line that sprung Audric Estime, and they used a few more times last week as well. And we talked about yesterday it was probably more specific to North Carolina State and being able to attack North Carolina State with the running game because of the way they line up in that defense. But at the same time, you know, you weren't saving that. You still got to do what it takes to win the game. So I don't think they've been completely vanilla. There are still things that are going on from pass route concepts and run blocking schemes and all those things that are different this year compared to last year. But like you said, there there are still some things in these first few games you're you're not going to show when you do have an Ohio State coming up in Week Four. But I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it completely vanilla like some people have characterized. I think, like we both agree with that, right? Yeah. So, Sean Michael, that's. Actually, my middle name, Sean Michael. I don't know if Michael is your last name or your middle name, but <laughs> we spell it, Sean, the same. For everyone, if you're GP and MF, what's your first series on O look like this week? Any new wrinkles to put on film or just go with what got you here? Thanks, as always, and go Irish. What do you think? Yeah, uh, this question actually plays into one that I saw not too long ago. Uh, I know you're a busy guy and you're used to Vince in here starring away. Um, but David Carpenter asked a similar question. Okay. Uh, geared at me, so I'll take the lead on this one. If you were the offensive coordinator and drawn up the first two plays of the game against Central Michigan, what would they be and why? And I think that this question goes nicely with that. So I'm going to hit, you know, I'm going to get it. I'm going to hit two two birds with one stone, as they say. Um, I actually, I want to see a play action to start the game. And the reason why I say that is because Notre Dame has gotten very predictable on first down. They love to run the ball on first down. They love to run between the tackles with Audric Estime on first down. I think that they should hit up hard play action and take a shot deep on the first play. So that would be my very first play of the game. I just want to see them cut it loose at some point, right? Like they're running nice routes that develop and, you know, that's fine and everything, but what are we going to actually see them just cut it loose? Like just throw a bomb downfield and see what happens. You know what I mean? So if I'm Notre Dame and I've shown a lot of, you know, running on early downs, especially early in the game, 
I'm going the hard play action to start the game, and I, I'm I'm letting it loose downfield. I'm trying to remember was was the pass to Tobias was that a first down pass? Is that when they finally because they were not doing a lot of of throwing on first down, and then I remember second half they came out. I want to say it was a, a, a play. It was definitely a first down pass and they got a first down out of it right away. Was it Tobias? I'm trying to, I can't remember off the top of my head. Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember. Just say, just say no. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but then my second play of the game would be after hitting a big old, you know, big pass play like that. I come out in that uh, uh, overload look or uneven look that Notre Dame uh, showed last week with putting three linemen on one side. And then, um, a guard and tight end on the backside. And I'd either run the power scheme out of that, or I'd, I'd run a fake power and try to find Holden stays again for the second play of the game. I think that is what I would look to do in my first two plays of the game. I'd hit a hard play action. Um, and I'd line up in that kind of jumbo or overload look where they put three linemen to one side and either run it right up the middle and tell them to block it or hit a, another hard play action out of that and look for Holden Stays. It was Holden Stays. I got out, I, I remembered, I've, I always do my uh, my running sheet here. Tobias was actually, it was a first down. It was first and 20. It wasn't the first play of the series, but it was first and 20, and he hit Tobias on that post, and they gained 45 yards. So it was a first down because there was a holding on Joe Alt the play before that. And then three series later, First play of the drive, first and 10, they hit the 29-yard pass to Holden Stays, and then he got Stays with a 40-yard touchdown pass two plays later. So in both cases, they threw on first down. Very successful when you're running the ball the way you do, and especially, I I, I agree, I would love to see a play action right off the boot, it, it, right off the bat, especially when you've got Audrey Kestame there. That's what I mean. It's so easy with that big, like you line up and you see Notre Dame's big offensive line, and then you see that big old Audric Estime in the backfield. I mean, again, it's it's pretty likely a run play is coming. And you know, I, not to segue too hard here, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it kind of short and simple. But yeah, um, I was listening to a little bit of Greg McElroy this week, and he is big on holding stays, um, and, and just how good of a pass catcher he is. I'll just cut you off right there because we've got some of Greg McElroy's comments coming up in rapid fire on Holden stays. So, Oh, sorry. I forgot that. that I didn't know that that part was in there. Did you not see the uh, revision? You got another revision email, man. Today. I got so, a lot going on. Revision emails are not my thing. Yeah. Well, see what happens is when my co-hosts <laughs> wait until a couple hours before the show to tell me that they're switching days you know, it can throw a wrench into some things. <laughs> so <laughs> Jesse on Wednesday, not on Thursday. I'm just saying, or maybe it's more appropriately Vince on Thursday, not on Wednesday. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not putting it on you. I'm putting on that other guy. Gordian, not which offensive and defensive player has surprised you the most this season to this point. Um, I would say the easy answer defensively is Maris Leofau. Um, I think Maris has played. I think the thing about Maris is last year, he just didn't finish plays this year. He's finishing plays and he's doing it 
a lot quicker. Like he's last year, I think it took him a half tick longer to get to his spot. This year, he's getting to his spot quicker and he's finishing his plays. Um, that's an easy answer. I think that truly the person who has surprised me the most is the way that Xavier Watts has stepped up in the secondary. Um, he has been tremendous, and it really showed the last last game um, when he was able to cover the middle of the field like that. I, I can't remember; it was late in the game, and that play where he, and, you know, a lot of a lot of guys in the secondary will come through the the wide receiver's back and get a D, DPI call. When he came over the top and got that pra- that pass breakup, and then the next play. Um, being rewarded with the interception. I believe that was Xavier Watts. Um, but I yes. just think that he's been tremendous. Stepping he had the up matrix in that play. Goal. Vince and I talked about it Monday, the matrix play where it's like he came over and somehow managed to almost go all the way over the top of the intended receiver and swatted that ball out of there with, with without any pass interference on that play. I was amazed that the officials didn't flag it for interference on the field, just as, as amazing as it looked, but uh, you're right. It, it, uh, it was a great play, very athletic play that he made. I think he's a good one. Leah Fowl is a good one. I think DJ Brown has been solid so far. And we saw some good play from DJ Brown, better play from DJ Brown this past week. The biggest thing with DJ has just been like, he's, he's been at the right place almost all the time this year. The biggest thing is just making sure that he's a sound tackler. And we saw, we saw that uh, better last week against North Carolina State. And so if that continues, I think that it can be a really good year for him. I'll just say offensively, I mean, I haven't been totally surprised by a lot of guys, but I'll just say the production that Jaden Greathouse is is giving them right now. The fact that he's found the end zone as much as he has found it already. And he is sharing the team lead in terms of receptions right now. So just because he's a freshman, not because of, you know, any talent or anything. It's not a surprise from a talent standpoint. It is just a surprise because he's a freshman as much as Marcus Freeman said that he would be seeing the field this year. We still had to see it and he is produced from the get go. And so kind of piggybacking on that, does great house become the alpha dog receiver over the next two years? Will he be Notre Dame's, Jackson Smith and Jigba. What do you think about that? Yeah. So um, my surprising player on offense would be great house. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Did I cut you off? No, a little bit, but that's all right. It would be either (laughs) great house, but again, I think great house is such the easy answer because he's got the three touchdowns. He's got, you know, the receptions, like, of course that's what sticks out. But I think to me, the, the most surprising guy is the production out of Jeremiah Love so quickly. He'd be my second. He'd be my second. Because of just he, – he, like, he, he doesn't run like a true freshman is what I think. And mm-hmm. I think the way he – I haven't seen a back – like Audric Estime builds up to top speed, right? Like he's downhill, builds up to top speed. And when he gets to top speed, he's just as fast as anyone in that running back room. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Jeremiah Love touches the ball, it's like he is out of there. Like he is instantly fast. And I think that is what's most impressive about his game. Like he gets to that second and third level so quickly. You know, like if you were thinking of it, like most guys in a 40-yard dash, their 10-yard split, their first 10-yard split is their slowest split. But Jeremiah Love, it's like he's just running top speed as soon as he touches the ball. So um, I think that's who's been most impressive to me. And then 
what were we going? What, sorry, what did that lead into? Uh, I, I got off topic a little bit. Is is Great House going to be the alpha dog? And hold on here just a second. Where did Salty's comment go? He says the great one is already the ah, alpha dog. The alpha dog. Will, sorry. Will Great House be the alpha dog over the next couple of years? In the I think that group? this is an obvious yes, because if you're a true freshman and you're having this sort of production already, um, you're going to expect the game to elevate. But I think what we can't, we can't get ahead of ourselves because he has someone like Sam Hartman um, at the quarterback position. I think that helps him out tremendously. Like that bridges the gap um, of being a true freshman, freshman in offense. So I think it's hard. Like, I think he'll be the alpha sure, but I think that, that there needs to be a quarterback who can get him the ball the same way. And that's still got to find that out after this year. Right, like that's now, a big question mark. Who's going to be that guy? We're going to get spoiled this year, and then there's going to be a huge question mark heading to next year. Let's save those questions for uh, for a later date. Speaking again of which, El Conquistador, how many times is this salty guy, this salty guy, I love it. How many times has he sent you personal messages begging you to get great house? <laughs> Uh, Salty brings up every show that I'm on now. I, you know, we, I, I try to come up with a, a more fun way to calculate offensive production this year in terms of the wide receivers. And every show he asks me and brings up the fact that my spreadsheet was deficient. And have I taken the time to recalibrate yet? Um, the answer is no, but I think if you got great house on this show, um, there would be uh, salty would play that podcast on loop every day. <laughs> I think you're right about that. DJ wants to know, do we think Al Golden blitzes as much against Ohio State? This is certainly a couple games down the road, but uh, almost constantly vacating the shallow middle seems dangerous with them. Um, you know, I was I was there were there were two things I was critical about of this team. One uh, based on their performance against NC State. I did not like that the that they kept running between the tackles um, on first and second down. That got fixed uh, to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't really hit the edges like I thought they would. Defensively, I, I just don't understand. Like, there was no need. I know, like, you want to, you know, get, like, if you blitz on third and long, the, the overall rationale is you get you get in a quarterback's face and you, you rush up his throwing process, right? Like, that's a different way to look at it, but – you know, Brennan Armstrong's not a good quarterback, and I think you needed to make him beat you um, with his arm. And so blitzing on third down, I thought they did a little bit too much of that. And so, yeah, I, I don't think that they need to blitz Ohio State so much because their wide receivers are better. And while Notre Dame's secondary is good, I, I just don't think you want to put them in that that matchup or situation where they need to guard those guys. Uh, give those wide receivers more potential space in the field to work with if you're going to vacate zones by bringing blitzers. So, again, with a young quarterback like Kyle McCord and a guy who hasn't proven himself, I'm going to make him prove that he's going to beat me by, you know, dropping into coverage and making him read coverage and beat me in coverage. Like, I don't want to just blitz and give the quarterback man-on-man. It's easy when you blitz and go man-on-man. So I think that they need to force Kyle McCord to beat them. And it's not always blitzing. It's where you're bringing the pressure from. Like I've, I've never been a big fan of blitzing the linebackers as I think, you know, because of just of what we talked about, because it vacates so much up the middle. I don't mind bringing heat off the edge or a safety blitz or or those kind of things. I've, I've just, 
I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more uneasy about the linebackers just because of the responsibility that they have. And if you, you know, if you blitz the wrong gap, it, it can lead to a, a, just a simple play can turn into a very big play. Well, the thing is too, Ohio state has two very good running backs. So if you blitz and then just allowed the quarterback to dump it off to the running back on like a screen or a flat route, like, Again, that's that's something that's easy for Kyle McCord to do and negate the, the blitz. Like that's gonna be Kyle McCord's biggest game of the season, right? Like it's under the lights, two top ten ranked opponents. Like you gotta do everything to make him beat you. Don't make his game easier. Make him beat you. Jesse, Pat wants you to grade number twenty four, Jack Kaiser. What do you think of, of Kaiser's play so far? Like this is <laughs> This is a hard question just to be thrown at because like I, I don't, I'm not keeping like a, you know, like a, a binocular on Kaiser the entire game. And so I guess I would generalize by saying I think that the three linebackers have tr- been tremendous so far to start this season, especially with the speculation and kind of people the, the doubt and the questions that's been around them, like the big Maris, microscope that has been on them. Yeah, right. Right. And I think obviously everyone knows Maris has been better. I think Bertrand is Bertrand. Like his game has been better, but he's always the consistent rock of the defense. And I, I, I find Kaiser to kind of be that same way. Like I think that Maris is always going to be kind of your, you know, your, your, your wild card, kind of like your lottery guy, you know, like sometimes he might make a bad miss, but then other plays he might make a, a like a, whoa, where did that come from type play? Like he absolutely destroyed someone this past game. I can't remember who, but he laid a hit stick on someone and just looked like a, a missile. Right. But I think the thing about Jack Kaiser is he's just he's he's very consistent like Bertrand. He's he's not going to mess up a lot of the time. Um, he's going to make the plays consistently. Um, and then I think against uh, I think Kaiser's best game was against Navy and the way that him and Bertrand were able to funnel the ball to each other um, and make really good tackles. So I just think that Bertrand does a good job of staying within his role. I don't think you see anything really extraordinary out of him. But again, he doesn't miss his assignment very often. And, and when you're playing linebacker, I think that's very important. He hasn't played as much because of the fact that he is the rover. And uh, the last couple of games, the, the Navy game, obviously, you don't play as much nickel because you're playing against the triple option. So he was out there more. He played well. He tackled pretty well. With the, you know, the biggest exception being when he was trying to rip the ball away from that Navy running back and ended up kind of giving him a few more yards because he couldn't rip it out instead of just tackling him. But because of the fact they've played more nickel the last couple of games, you haven't seen as much of Jack Kaiser. You saw more of him now when JD went out, which again is like you ask, you know, what they might do this weekend. I think you start off with more Kaiser. Definitely. I think I agree though. I agree with what you're saying. I, I think that all three linebackers have been improved this year. Tackling has been better. I'm not saying it's been perfect, but it has definitely been better they've been much more on assignment and i just think that there is something to having your defensive coordinator in year two after three defensive coordinators in as many seasons your defensive coordinator in year two plus the fact that al golden talked about how he simplified some things gotten rid of some things he was able to focus more attention in the offseason on specific opponents that he didn't get as much of a chance to do when he came in out of the NFL the year before. I think all of those things have helped those linebackers. And I think we're going to continue to see steady and, and steady to really good play out of the, the unit. And Jack Kaiser is a big part of that. I think. 
I'd like to see more of him personally, but again, Leofel has been better this year as well. So there's really no reason not to have him out there. Mailbag part. Oh, two part. He says thoughts on establishing a regular series with Ohio state every four years and two, maybe having a, the trophy. If Notre Dame wins, <laughs> we are the Indy university and they are just Ohio state. Do you want more Ohio state? Jess? I think that, and this kind of goes into what we talked about yesterday in terms of Michigan. I think that they should do a rotating schedule of Ohio state in Michigan. I think that you should play each of those teams at least one time every four years. You don't have to play You don't have to go on and off with them every year. Um, but I think you could rotate between a home and away with Michigan and then a home and away with Ohio State, a home and away with Michigan, a home and away with Ohio State. I think when you're talking in terms of the biggest brands and some of the best programs in college football, I mean, you know, Notre Dame is how far from Columbus? Like three hours, four hours? Roughly. You've you've driven it more than me. You should know. Right. And then, you know, Ann Arbor is just three hours away. Like these schools are so close in proximity and they're, they are the, the are, they are the programs of the Midwest. And so I don't see um, I think it, it's it's great for both schools because it's another quality opponent. Um, you get a real idea of where you're at. And I think it draws a lot of fans. Like there's going to be a lot of Ohio state fans at that Notre Dame game. And I think vice versa, we saw a lot of Notre Dame fans at Ohio state, you know? So I don't, I don't mind it. And I do think it, it would be a good idea. And I actually, <laughs> I just thought of something. I am going to be in Columbus next Thursday. Um, oh, really? I'm doing a Before career the fair. Game, huh? I'm doing a career fair at Ohio state. I will be on campus at Ohio state next Thursday representing the company I work for, trying to recruit other engineers <laughs> to come work for us. Interesting. Wow. I just realized that it's game week and I'm going to be on, on that campus. You going to wear any green around town? Or I might have to. I might have to <laughs> throw on my Notre Dame hat. <laughs> Quinn, Notre Dame is yet to complete an outside go ball this year. Does that change this week? Yes. Well, if I were coaching, yes. <laughs> I already said I want them to go with that play action bomb to start the game. But I, I just I, again at some point you gotta open up more of the deep, you know, the, the the downfield balls. You don't have to throw them all the time, but it's still gotta be something in your bag that you can get to if you really need to at some point, right? Like I, I think that there is nothing wrong. Like they're gonna have to try to make big plays against Ohio State. So you don't want to just start bringing out those plays against Ohio State. You want them to be practiced. You want to have already ran them in a game. So I think that you will see a couple more go balls this this game. I just don't know. It's It's been curious. Like, especially you would have thought that there would have been more opportunities against Tennessee State. Now, they look deep sometimes against Tennessee State, but you talked about it going in just the way, like, the way that Tennessee state was going to play defense, that it was going to be hard to get some deeper shots. And Sam Hartman eventually just had to kind of look down a little bit more. And once he did, he was able to get the ball out pretty quick. And obviously, you know, things got rolling right away. So curious to see, like, I don't think that teams are living in total, you know, like fear of, of Notre Dame, as a deep threat, but they did see what Tobias Merriweather could do last year. For example, they, you know, they know that that's there. They know that, that Chris Tyree 
has speed. So I don't know. Do do you think it has anything to do with the way they're being played that uh, that they haven't done it, or just that maybe they don't think they need to do as much of it right now? I think it's a combination of both. Um, and I think it's like a natural progression that they're kind of getting into, you know, deeper and deeper into their playbook. Um, but, you know, a lot of these teams, and we talked like, you know, Tennessee State, the defense that they played, very conservative. There's always going to be two deep safeties. The same thing with NC State last week. You're going to have, you know, when you have that many defensive backs on the field. Um, yeah, there's just there's just a good amount of, of overtop help. Um, but you know, eventually I think teams are Notre Dame's bread and butter is made by running the ball. So I'll be curious to see when teams put an extra guy in the box and, and ultimately what that leads to in terms of the offense, because I think that's ultimately what's holding them back right now. Nobody's committing that extra defender to the box. Right. And sooner or later, it's going to be on Sam Hartman or Notre Dame to see if they can make him pay for that one way or the other. Tommy wants to know how we would grade and rank each position group the first quarter of the season. Tommy, that is a, a little bit bigger question than uh, a mailbag question. So I did make note of it. And that's something that we will uh, address. Maybe not, maybe not at the, at the quarter. We might save that for the halfway point here in a couple more games, especially like I think probably after Ohio State and Duke are where we're going to have a really better picture of what these positions are. I like a midseason like. report card. Yeah. We do have a couple bye weeks, <laughs> remember this season. So, so you'll need to save some of those uh, content questions for then. Yes. Mr. 2.0, Drake Bowen coming out party this weekend, even if he doesn't get consistent playing time all year. I mean, yeah, this is the game for Drake Bowen if he's going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah, I think we'll see him. I just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Like, This will be his most usage of the season. I would think so. I would think that it will be. Barring, you know, no one else gets hurt down the road. Yep, exactly. DJ says he thinks that Josh Burnham should get a lot of snaps against Central Michigan and the quarterback. Agree or not? What do you think about that? Um, good old Josh Burnham. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing about Notre Dame's defensive line is it's hockey style, man. They, they are rotating guys in and out of there, getting fresh legs. Um, and, and someone like Josh Burnham who can get after the quarterback. I, yeah, I, I, I need to see sacks. I need to see the defensive line, you know, they, they played strong, but I'd like to see the sack game a little bit more. And so, you know, you know, Ohio state's going to get back into some traditional, you know, drive backs and really throw the ball so in that situation I, I would really really like to see more sacks and so what do you do you keep fresh legs out there you keep some of your better rushers out there and I think Josh Burnham is one of those guys so um yeah I, I do I do see him getting seeing him get a good amount of snaps kind of going forward I mean I think he's gonna play again it's gonna like do you play him more over Tui Alamaka I don't know but I think Jordan Botello with the athleticism that he has is still a good weapon out there against central Michigan. And what you're talking about with a mobile quarterback, like they've got, but you know, I, I think that there's going to be room for a lot of people to play Saturday. The, the, the bottom line is just taking care of business early on and getting the game into the direction 
that you want it to go. And I think that all of that is going to take care of itself. I think we're going to have a chance to see a lot of the two deep across the board out there Saturday. Matt wants to know out of what formation do you want to see a deep shot? Um, I would say 11 personnel or Notre Dame loves 12 personnel. And I think when you, when you go 12 personnel, you give an even bigger picture of running the ball because you're bringing in two tight ends, right? Like traditionally that's a big run formation for Notre Dame. And so I think if you, I, I'm going to revise my answer. I'd like to see him go 12, 12, 12 personnel. Under show 12, center. go deep. Yeah. yeah. I'd say show 12, go under center and hit a hard play action out of 12 um, and, and just have a deep post running across the middle of the field. Yeah. I like it when they go against tendency, when they show the formation and they do something else. I think Jared Parker has done a much better job of that so far than we than we saw the last couple of years. I think that that uh, he has done a really good job of that. I love what he's done with a lot of you know the personnel groupings and the formations and stuff like that. It's been kind of fun to watch the way he's approached that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.